We're uh, concluding the kind of the mini-series here as we, we've been talking about. Uh, we'll just get right to our text. Um, we've been talking about the, uh, the various ways that God wants us to love him. And uh, it says, One of the scribes came up to him and heard him disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, Which commandment is the most important or which is the greatest of all? And Jesus answered and said, the most important, the greatest is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we've done these in a different order. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. Um, I, and I, if you remember, we, we, we talked about our tendency to want to interpret these through a component uh, perspective the the idea that that these are all individual elements of the the, the human makeup and I think once we get to today uh, we, we kind of addressed that with last week but but um, it kind of is going to become obvious that these can't be that today uh, and really the way I've addressed these is that, that these are all really a part of our mind it, that that or a, a, something that happens here. When we talk about the mind in this passage, he's talking about really one element of that, and that's the, really the conscious. And, and, and we go down and we look at the different parts of us. There's, there's, the, there's that which is really aware, the, the intellectual part of our mind, and then there's kind of the, those, those passions and desires and, and, and attitudes and, and things like that, that that's really still up here. It's not here. Uh, but we call it the heart. But it's just a different... And, and each one kind of goes down the soul, the being, the identity. And we come to today. Now, there's no part of you called your strength, right? That's not a separate part of the human. So, so it's obvious that these aren't components of, of the person. Uh, but they're different ways that God wants us to love. And this one is... I, 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 we're going to... It's going to be a part of our consciousness, but it's kind of one of the lower ones. And we're going to get to that uh, in, in, uh, in due order. But uh, I want, the ones that we've identified first are a little bit more, they're more clear to see what they are. But this one is a little bit difficult um, because I don't think of my strength as a conscious part of me, right? And, and so because I don't think of that, it's hard for me to figure out how to love with it. How do I love with my strength? Because this is the, the comparison is to heart, mind, and soul. Well, my mind, I can, I can understand how I can love with my mind in terms of being devoted to him with, with making my plans or what, whatever that, that is. Even with my attitudes, it's, it's kind of, I can understand that. And he's talking about those types of things. In other words, the, the element that he's referring to is the thing doing the loving. And this one, when, when we, we, quite, we kind of transition this, I think, when we, love with all your strength. That means love him as strong as you can. But that's not exactly what he means. Because... The strength is, if, if it's like the heart, I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's not true. 
But I'm saying that's, that's not what is being driven at here in terms of, of this. He's, he's giving different elements, not individual components. But I mean, the thing that he lists is the thing doing the loving. And so how is a strength doing the loving? That's hard for us to figure out. And so we're going to try to, to unpack the, a, a little bit what he means here. And we're going to do this. I don't, I don't want to get too technical. But the, as I was looking through scriptures on this, kind of something, kind of, as we talk about strength and the different words that surround it, we're going to look at some different words, not get into um, a lot of Greek and stuff today. We're not going to do that. I try to do that as sparingly as possible. But I learned about this in physics class. I learned about potential energy. And, and we're going to look at this. Potential energy is the ability to do work. This has the ability to do a lot of work. You would figure that out if you were underneath it and it happened to roll And God says, I'm giving you some ability to do some work. And I want to talk first about some external sources that we have available to us, but as Christians. And we've talked about these. Um, In Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 16 to 17, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I was going to get into Greek, and I'm not really going to. But this is the word dynamite, by the way. The the word power is is the word where we get dynamite from. Now, I don't think they had dynamite back then. I don't think that's what he was trying to say. But but it's something incredibly powerful, this ability to do massive amounts of work. This word is the one when, when we we'll see references to them having the power to do miracles. It's the same word. This, this ability that they had to tap into some source that could make them do things that weren't normal, that, that were out of the ordinary. It was power. They had access to some, some power. And, and, and so the scriptures here are... An energy source that we have. He says, he says, this is the power for everyone who believes. For, for what? It's the power to do something amazing. It's, it's the power that we have to tap in to produce or to result in salvation, specifically here. And he says, why? He says, because righteousness is revealed here. It, it, it's here where we observe and, and, and tap into what... God defines for what he wants salvation to be. And, and without this, we don't have the ability to do that. And so one of our external sources that is available to us is the scriptures. Uh, that really, does, you don't have to be a Christian. In fact, it's, it's better if you try to tap into that before you're a Christian. Uh, that's kind of one of the things you know about how to learn to become a Christian. And, and, and the being, having that power for salvation uh, but it doesn't end, of course, when you become a Christian, but it, but it should only get stronger. But we'll talk about a second one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 uh, through 5, it says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. In other words, uh, 
He's not saying that what he was saying was not plausible. He's saying that, that I wasn't giving you, you know, Greek philosophy when I was preaching. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really referring to ordinary things that people, people say. But he says, I, I was with you in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And it's kind of the same thing. He's talking about his preaching. And we would be tempted, I think, when he talks about the demonstration of the spirit is, is to isolate that phrase and say, well, he's talking about doing miracles. And that's not what he's talking about here. If you read the whole text, he's, he's really talking about the spirits affecting his life as he's with them. That though he's personally not that powerful. And then sometimes people said, oh, he talks a big game, but he was with us. And, and in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about that. In 2 Corinthians, he's talking about it. And his critics would say, wow, he's not really so much when he's with us. But yet there was a power behind him. You know, John the Baptist never did any miracles. And yet people went out to him. And people saw he was this great. And Jesus even said, you know, well, what did you guys go out to see? Why did you guys travel all the way out there to see a reed shaken by the wind? How does this guy that did no miracles, why was he so powerful that he was drawing people away so that so much so that the, even before Jesus began his ministry, the, the Jews were like, hey, what's going on out here? We don't have so many people in, in the synagogue today. We better go out here and see what's going on. A guy who did no miracles. Something was active in there. He had a, a power through the Holy Spirit that was, something was special. That we have the ability through this external source, even through the way we speak, even through our confidence in what we have. We sung this song just now. You know, I know Jesus loves me. Why? The Bible told me. You know, there's people that criticize that, that, that idea. Well, how do you know? I mean, that's like circular logic. You can't know something because how do you know the Bible's true? It's a, we get into a circular logic. So because of the evidence it produces. Because of the power. Because of, because of what, it is, what is visible based on what we do with that knowledge. And that's, that's this power that he speaks of. In the Holy Spirit. And so we have these two external sources. Well, he's not saying to love him with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he's not saying to love him with the Scriptures. They are sources. They are potential energy. But, but he's going to get to, to something about me. He's saying that there's, there's something inside of me that he wants to love him with. And so there is an internal source. We're going to talk about the internal, which is one specifically. Uh, there might be more, but this is the one we're going to talk about today. And that's willpower. When we talk about willpower, there's a temptation. Uh, speaking of the, the, no pun intended here, he says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. This is a source of controversy, this verse. No, you've ever heard the controversy, but, but maybe you have. So this has sometimes been summarized as, God will not give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that? Okay. 
And this creates the controversy. Now, this is probably an oversimplification, and that's where the controversy begins. But people will then say, God does give you more than you can handle sometimes, or allow it. But then he has those external sources that are available, the Holy Spirit, and that gets you over the hump, right? And this is where the controversy is. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about that. So I want to address the oversimplification first. Because technically he does not address, this verse does not address the strength of the obstacle. He's not talking about the big rock. That's not what he's, what he's focusing on in terms of our ability. But he defines what he means beyond our ability. He defines it as having an opportunity to escape. In other words, he's saying, God is not going to allow you to be put into a situation that you can't get out of. It's not about the obstacle. It's about your opportunity to leave. Now, when people <coughs> make that other statement in opposition, God allows me more than I can handle in actuality, but he's just giving me enough to get over the edge, they have unwittingly acknowledged the premise that this is about the strength of the obstacle. And that's not what it is. They're both debating about something that is an incorrect view of this verse. Now, I do want to point out a flaw here. That treats us then, and this is why I, I stated this, that view that says that I am incapable, that in some situations that I'm incapable, unless I have this Holy Spirit, that gets to something we call Calvinism. That's where that goes. That treats me as though, unless God does it all for me, I don't have the ability. And there's scriptures that, a number of scriptures that would, uh, oh, let's look at them. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 says, 27, Paul's here. He says, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. So that after preaching, I, I'm not going to, uh, preaching to others, I would be disqualified. I'm not going to do that. So I, I, I have my body under control. He's like, I am exerting will. I'm exerting self-control. And someone's going to go, but Paul's a Christian, he has the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Okay. Now listen. He says, when the Gentiles, who do not have the law, so they don't even have the, ex- they don't even have the scriptures. Right? Forget the Holy Spirit. They don't even have a scriptures. He says, when they, by nature, natural human beings, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law was written on their hearts, while their conscience bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them. You notice that he's just referenced the first three things that we've talked about, the heart, mind, and the soul. He's referenced those things as a part of the Gentiles. That, that in their being, in their emotions, and in their, their mentality, and the, their very nature, their whole existence, their soul as we talk about it, they were able to accomplish 
at least a level of obedience to what God wants. That's important. So, <clears throat> I'll give you an illustration of this before we, we move on. Um, we'll talk about addiction a little bit. Anybody happen to know what the strongest addiction is? Anybody? This is not just, you know, random. They have followed various types of addictions that exist. And things that you could go to rehab for. And, uh, I mean, we have Monday nights, we have Cocaine Anonymous meets in our downstairs, uses our building. That's a strong one. Uh, alcohol, tobacco, like this, every kind of addiction. Food addictions. But they followed people who went through rehab of some sort and caught up with them a year later to see where they were. Have, have you successfully stayed away from whatever it was that, that you were doing? The lowest, the lowest percentage of people who had successfully been rehabilitated was gambling. It is the strongest, verifiably strongest addiction that exists. Now, if I walked into said casino... And a person who can't seemingly control and defy, let's make that nicer. <laughs> if I said, it was family friendly here, if I said, listen, if you pull that slot machine one more time, you're getting it. That person would suddenly find a reserve of self control that they did not know they had, right? It's in there. You don't have to be a Christian to have that reserve, it's there. But we've got to figure out how to get there. To use that. So, that's what we want to get to. And that's where we come to kinetic energy. The application of what's inside of me. Well, when we look at the, these two phrases, let's just look at how they're used. You ever heard of uh, one of the worst things you can say to somebody, by the way, is that they have potential. Really? Yeah, why? What, what, when you say, well, let's look at the way we use potential. He has potential, right? He's, he's storing energy. It's there. When we say that you have potential, that means you're not doing anything. It's there. It's existing. And until there's an application of force, it's just there. I have all this potential right here. All this potential energy is just sitting there. It's got to be used. It's got to be put in here. Right? It goes back to what we're talking in Psalms and how many ways David talked about the law and the word and the precepts and the ordinances and all those things that he has to be used. You ever heard the word kinetic used without the word energy after it? 
Have you ever someone referred, how, how is that used? Anybody? Yes. You ever heard someone talk about, boy, he is really a kinetic person. It's kind of a weird thing, but people will use that. Or that's a really kinetic whatever. See the difference? You'll never see these used, without the word energy, you'll never see these flipped. You'll never talk about, boy, he is really potential. You'll never hear that. Always will have potential. And you'll never have kinetic. You can only be kinetic. You see the difference? It's weird, but you'll never hear it flip the other way. You'll only be kinetic if you are applying force so that it becomes a part of your observable force, your observable power that, that you're showing. And that becomes a part of your identity. But as long as it's inside and not being applied, it will just merely be something you have. There will never be flip-flop. Potential can never be kinetic. It is stored. And it's, it's the difference between energy and force. So let's get back to kinetic energy here. This force. And talk about our will. There is a difference between the noun and verb. We, we, talk, we did a series where we talked about nouns and verbs. They're the same root and they kind of have the same idea. But when we see the, the, the noun in the Bible, not that it means the Greek doesn't mean this, but, but in the Bible, it's always, almost always going to be used this way. Like Romans 12, 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. It will always be kind of the idea, the, the concept. And, and pretty much God is, without exception, says, Mine is the one we'll be going with here. That concept of the will, the noun, God says, really, if you're trying to make it up your own, it's not going to be the right one. But that's when it's used as a noun. When it's used as a verb, it's a little bit different. We're not going to go through all of them. If you want to look them up, there's hundreds of them. But you'll see this breakdown. We're going to look at it as a verb. It has four different ways it's translated. This I wish. This verb can can be meaning by context it will be I wish. I wish is like it, it would be a nice thing, but you recognize that there's a high degree of unrealistic nature to it. I wish I had a million dollars. Don't we all? I recognize that's not going to happen at this stage of life. Not a realistic possibility. But I wish it were so. That's, this, that's actually, that's this word, will. I will that this would happen. That, that's, they would use this word. That's a fine translation. I would like, oh, I would like this to happen. Don't we have a lot of things that you would like to happen? Now, when we say this, this is like, you recognize that this is in the realm of possibility, but still there's a questionable chance that this will happen. But it's within the realm. I would like this. If if everything worked out, this would be a nice thing to, to have happen. 
Today, there's a lot of things I would like to have accomplished. I recognize probably not all. If I get to it, this is one thing that I would like. It's a little stronger than I wish. Ah. So we move on to I want. Oh, I want this to happen. Now this is not only in the realm of possibility, but it's in a, it has a degree of expectability. This is, these are all the same word. And you'll use that, see them all in the Bible. But you recognize that there is a chance <laughs> that it's not going to happen. I want this to happen. I really want this to happen. Okay. <laughs> when I say that, I'm allowing for the chance that it's not going to happen. I will. Oh, now that's different, isn't it? That's the word will. I will do this. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen. But it's not only expected. It's expected, like, really strongly. I will do this. Sometimes we make promises that we can't keep. But when we make that statement, it's not a I want, it's not a I will, it's not a I, or a I wish, or I would like. I'm going to do this. This will happen. Okay. There's consequences if it doesn't. If I, if I want something to happen, there's probably not going to be too, too many consequences. Because I recognize the end. If I would like something to happen, there's almost never going to be consequences for it not happening. Because it's just, I would like it. I'm well prepared in advance. The will. And this is why when we talked about the Gentiles, this is important. They had limited amount of resources. So their ability to get things done was lower expectations if you go back. God had lower expectations for them. Why? Because your level of will can only move things in its weight class. Right? You can, you can, if you only got to want to, you're only going to be able to move a small object. The, the, the bigger the will, the bigger the thing you can move, the bigger the thing you can accomplish. Even the Gentiles had enough will that they could accomplish some basic things. God says, you have more resources available to you. I expect more from you. I will. And that's where it combines this will, this strength that's in us. He says, now we want to combine that with love. From the will. And now what are we talking about when we're talking about the will? The strength. You see that it is actually a conscious part of me. It's not, just a, it's not just a muscle strength. It's a will. It's a, it's a resolve to do things. And that might not be the same as like an intellectual plan, but it is still a thing I'm doing here. It's a decision. He says, I want you to love me like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 through 14, he says, uh, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit you with all the brothers but it was not at all his will to come now by the way this is the only time in the new testament i could find the word will as a noun not used as uh god's will it's the only time not that that's invaluable but just an uh, interesting note he says he will come to you when he has the opportunity that's not what i want to draw from this be watchful stand firm in the faith act like men be strong 
and let all that you do be done in love. Now let's not get sidetracked by, the, by what appears to be misogyny here. He's not saying act like men uh, as uh, you know, men are better. He's using a military metaphor. That's all this is. Act like men, be strong. So women can, can do that too. And let all that you do be done in love. In other words, love is going to enhance that ability of the will. That attraction to God up here is going to allow me to perform better things and be stronger. The more my heart is in something that will, the more accurate, the better the result. Have you not, you, you notice that when, you, when you're in something, like you really want, it gets done better, right? You're in tune. If you really resent the thing that you have to do, it's probably gonna be done poorly. This is how we are. But when my will is in it, when I'm excited about it, when I love it, it's going to get done well. It's going to be done to completion. This one I want to read because it's, it's a little bit longer. Ephesians chapter 3, but I thought about actually making this my text. Maybe I should have because it really sums up a lot of this. Uh, it sums up not only this, but it sums up really kind of our entire series. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And then we'll, we'll kind of highlight some of the, the elements of it. And we're going to begin in verse 14. Or, uh, yeah, verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family... Uh, and that's really a bad translation. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, in heaven and earth is named. And I, praise, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the length and width and height and depth uh, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the knowledge or with the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able, and above all, we ask and think. But to do above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, the interesting thing, and I don't know about your Bible, uh, but where he talks about the height and length and width and breadth, and some of yours might add, of his love, and that's not in there. That's added based on the next phrase. And I don't think that's why what he's specifically referring to. What is he talking about every family? Like he gave me my family a name? What, what is like, I don't understand that. That's not the idea here. The concept is of the church. The church is always referred to as a structure, or not always, but, but was, in Ephesians he uses this a number of times, this reference to the structure. He's talking about like a three-dimensional object. And he's talking about the, the length and the height and the width. It's a massive thing that we're a part of. 
And it has this great, great ability to accomplish things. And he's trying to get their minds around that. And he's like, I wish you could comprehend that. It's not every family. He's talking about the whole family, the whole church, the whole thing. Worldwide, it is massive. He's like, I wish you could wrap your minds around the immensity of the church. This great thing that God has made. But he says, I want you to, be, I want you to look at the, the, the phrases in here. But first we notice just what we noticed before. Just as with the Gentiles, he refers to these first three kind of things that we talked about. My inner being, my, my person, my, my nature. And he talks about my hearts and he talks about my ability to comprehend. These elements that, of what makes a person a person. Through his spirit, he then references one of those external sources that we have available to us. And all of these things are are a part of this hope that he has for these people. He's like, my my constant prayer is, is for you guys to get strong. I want you to notice... Not just that we can accomplish things. I want you to look at the establishment. That, it, that you can be rooted and grounded. It's that same idea that, that Paul had talking about act like men and be strong, firm in the faith. This, uh, this idea of being established and being rooted to be able to accomplish great things. It's this will combined with the love. Doing all things love. Look at the references to strength. Strengthened with power. You can have strength to comprehend. To him who is able to do more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power which is at work. Which is kinetic. Which is force. Which is now it's not just a potential that I have. But it's doing, it's accomplishing something. Without all of these things. Without these, I can only exist and I can accomplish little things in an ordinary plane just like Gentiles. But he says, if you're going to use these things, you're going to be able to do so much more than you can even ask or imagine. Because God's ability is more than we can ask or imagine. That's his ability. And when we tap into those, we elevate what we can do. We're not saying, just do everything on your own willpower. That's not what he's saying. We're saying, you have something. God didn't say, wait for me to do it all for you. You have a will. You can do some things. God says, I'm going I'm to give you some extra helps. Both internal and external are necessary. And this is where we leave it. If you live here, if you live at point E... You will eventually walk to gas station C. I did that about two months ago. We just kind of stay at E. Oh, yes, you can get from point A to point B. Just provided it's not too far between. But should you get in said car and forget you're there once, you're going to be about 50 feet from a gas station, fortunately. 
we, 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 can, we can do. We can be like Gentiles and live at the minimum. And we can get by for a little while. But God says, that's not where I want you. It's not a matter of what's possible. It's a matter of what's likely. Likely, you are going to walk to a gas station. If I'm relying on my power, eventually it's not going to be enough. It's not going to overcome. It, again, that going all the way back to what we talked about, that, that, that First Corinthians passage, oh, is, is, am I able to resist that temptation? Yes, you are. But if you live at the bare minimum, you are not going to. That's the reality. It's not about possibility. The reality is I am not going to accomplish what I could, even if I'm technically capable to in that moment. I need to tap into all of the things that I have available to me. The fault is not my willpower. Don't blame my willpower. Really what it comes down to is my attraction to God. That's the turning point. That's where we fill up at. This attraction to love God with my will. To be so attracted that I'm going to do all of these things. And that really, as we say, sums up my mind, my emotions, my priorities. Every element of what makes Andrew, Andrew, or Walt, Walt, or any of you who you are. That is summed up and becomes all that it can be through love. Joy of the Lord.